Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pixelist Podcast, the podcast about all the nerdy things we enjoy. I'm Will, that's my co-host Blake, and today we're here to talk about some Critical Role. After after a long hiatus, uh, yeah, it feels like it's been forever, and it has, uh, but you know, it was kind of softened by the fact that we had Calamity. Uh, but I was just thinking about this right before we got on. It's been like six or seven weeks since we've talked campaign three. So it feels, yeah. it feels good to be back. Yeah, it, it, it does feel a bit strange. And um, welcome all of you guys who are checking out the channel maybe for the first time. If you're a fellow D&D nerd, uh, we're glad to have you. And also Marvel and, you know, <laughs> we've dropped games from the uh, title since we haven't talked about a game ever. So, but uh, yeah, Will, you know, it's it's interesting. It's. It, it's weird how it feels like we've been gone forever from this campaign, and yet, you know, we've been talking D and D almost every week with Calamity, um, which I have to say, it was weird not tuning in to Calamity. Yeah. Um, which you know, last week we had the one shot, but um, we could talk more about that once we get into the uh, show of today. Yeah. Um, but all that to say, uh, for announcements, we did just finish GDQ uh, as GDQ, and so. Will, maybe we could pop in some VOD recommendations or Ooh, yeah. uh, maybe even do a video on like our favorite runs. Um, I'm moving, so apologize <laughs> from the mess behind me. <laughs> uh, so my life's been pretty hectic and crazy, but we also have the podcast up and running on actual podcast platforms. So you can check out uh, the, the main ones that I typically see people li- listen to is Apple Podcasts. Um, Spotify, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, you're going to find it. And it's just called the Pixelist Podcast. So we have a cool new banner on there as well that a friend of ours put together. And you can find all of our episodes. If you prefer to listen to us audio versus video, you can find us there. And then one other thing is we're coming in close to 1,000 subs. So apparently there's a thousand of you guys who like to just revel in the nerdery that (laughs) is (laughs) what we do on a weekly basis. So uh, thank you for you guys who've checked out the channel and checked us out. You know, we we probably aren't as organized as we should be or as <laughs> knowledgeable about, you know, D&D things as we should be. But hey, we appreciate you. And we're going to do a giveaway at a thousand subs. It's probably going to be a copy of Tal'Dorei Reborn. Uh, and maybe we'll maybe this is not official. <laughs> but maybe we should do like find a cool premium dice set or something. Ooh, yeah, that'd be kind of fun. I'm down for so, that. I might have to get myself yeah. one too, or I'll be jealous. But it's only for the subs, all right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. We have right. Will like we have Will creating burner accounts over here. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we have 1,400 subs all of a sudden. <laughs> Don't know what happened. And there are also different number variations of. <laughs> anyway, cool. <laughs> all I have to say. Um, uh yeah should we jump jump into the episode yeah um yeah let's do it so if you're if you're new to us one thing we like to do is recap each episode um and we actually cut that out of the podcast and rehost that separately on youtube um for anyone that needs a quick recap before the episode each week uh so if you find yourself on that video and you're like hey these guys aren't too annoying definitely check out our full podcast which we'll link in the description or in the comments or something um Good, good plug, I know. Uh, but yeah, so with that being said, let's jump right into this. Episode 25 of <clears throat> Critical Role Campaign 3. I believe it was called um, Taste of Taldore? Yeah, Taste of Taldore. Okay, perfect. So again, six-week hiatus. So we're picking back up um, with the crew in Basaros. They're on the trail of Armand Treshi, tracking him via the ring that they put on him. And <clears throat> having just arrived in the city, they just finished a quick skirmish with some thugs that were basically attacking this stranger, who they come to find out is Dusk. Um, after this battle completes, the party decides, you know, hey, we need a quick breather. Let's go check out this restaurant called A Taste of Taldore. Um, <clears throat> so they make their way to the restaurant, and inside... There's decorations basically representing all different aspects of Taldore. The waiters are all dressed in costume and are in character of different historical figures from Exandria. And it's basically just one of those really like, uh, I can't think of like medieval times maybe, or, you know, just those restaurants where it's an experience. Uh, yeah. The Exandria version. Such a great, that's yeah. such a great way to reference it. <laughs> <laughs> so they walk in, um, they're, 
they get seated, they have their own server, and their server is dressed up as Erevon the Rhyme Lord, and he's, you know, fully committed to this character. It's great. Um, they order a round of drinks, uh, specifically some Ashari Breezers, because Orum was like, oh, that's my people, let me try that one. And I think they order some uh, some pepper poppers, like Thordax blazing poppers or something. Um, <laughs> so as they're sitting around, they start talking to Dusk and, you know, learn, learning more about them. And she reveals that she's on a quest to find two people and return to the Feywild. And she, she opens a locket that she has, like, here, these are the people I'm looking for. And Fern recognizes these people as her parents. So, like, whoa, hold up, mm -hmm. wait a minute. Like, how do you know my parents? And Dusk reveals that uh, Fern's parents helped her and looked after her in the Feywild. But they never mentioned that they had a daughter or they never mentioned, you know, anything about Fern at all. And... Uh, Dust says that they got separated when they all came through a portal and it was like this very strange experience and ever since she's been looking for them um, <clears throat> and due to the the Feywild and the the time is a weird soup kind of aspects of traveling to and from the Fey Dusk doesn't really remember much else about her own past or you know anything else really um, Fern then reveals that it's been about 90 years since she's seen her parents uh, Mama Birdie and Papa Ollie which are their names. And uh, Dusk is like, I think they're probably in this area. Like, let's find them. Um, then the, there's kind of like an aside as uh, in Taste of Tal'Dorei, they put on this bit of theater and two of the <laughs> servers begin acting out this piece of Exandrian history. Um, it's King Dressing versus Zan Tal'Dorei. They have this, you know, big battle with Zan ultimately winning. And um, afterwards, uh, they continue to talk the amongst themselves, the party. And Fern again reveals, which she's kind of hinted at in the past, that her family is actually really important, kind of famous, like almost royalty, um, very important in the Seely court. And they're like, wow, are you a princess? And she's like, you know, not technically a princess, but, you know, kind of a big deal. Um, <clears throat> then Imogen, uh, Imogen's ability to like dive into someone's mind is brought up by Laudna. And they're like, Dusk, you know, we can maybe help you remember what you can't remember imogen is great at you know going into people's minds and helping them figure things out and while they're kind of discussing all of this imogen has the ideas like hey now that i've seen a picture of your parents fern i could maybe reach out to them telepathically and actually like communicate with them so they're like yeah let's do it and so imogen does just that and she does make connection with somebody you know explains you know hey i'm here with fern and dusk um but the person responds and is like who is this right so then imogen gets a quick pieces of information from both dusk and um fern to like prove like oh uh my grandma's house i had the room with the window and and stuff like that so she reaches out again uh with that information to kind of prove uh that she knows these people and fern's mom replies this time and is like oh my gosh like oh my gosh like where are you guys like you know, she's so excited and, you know, we get confirmation that is it that this is indeed Fern's parents. Um, so the mom says, OK, meet us at Joe's. And so it, the, you know, mind message thing ceases and they're like, Joe's, anybody know where that is? And so they ask around the restaurant and they do finally get an idea of where this Joe's place might be. So they're like, all right, we're going to head there. But before that, um, <clears throat> The party goes and checks out the gift shop, specifically uh, FCG and Laudna kind of taken aside together. And Laudna basically spills the beans to FCG about the kind of argument her and Imogen are in about the whole Null Rock situation. And she's just kind of seeking some advice, kind of venting to FCG. And FCG lets her know that, hey, you know, the first thing you got to do is talk to Imogen. You know, I think you guys are going to be fine. Like, you know but you just got to talk to her. And uh, Lana also buys a couple of things from the gift shop uh, to give to her to kind of, you know, smooth the water. Um, a, pot, a pot holder. Yeah, a pot holder. And I think she buys like a couple of pencils or something. Um, <clears throat> meanwhile, not a t-shirt. Not a t-shirt. Yeah. Oh man. If they make a taste of Taldori like merch, I would totally buy it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> meanwhile, um, Orem and Imogen kind of have a telepathic conversation because he, can kind of see that she's down. And in that conversation, Imogen tells Orum about the spat between her and Laudna. And, um, you know, that she's just processing it. And, you know, she wants things to be okay between them. And she's 
pretty jealous of Laudna and Dusk's interactions. Um, but, you know, Orm tells her that, you know, Laudna has a big heart. Like, you guys just have to talk to each other. Like, it'll all be fine. Um, and basically, you know, reassures her. <clears throat> so then the rest of the party, I think, drops some money in the gift shop to get some weird things. Um, but then they leave the restaurant. And Laudna, by the way, has been checking the the little orb that tells them where Treshy is, like, multiple times throughout this. And it has never moved. Um, so they start heading towards where that signal is and they find themselves in the bank of the renewal, which is like this bustling marketplace. Um, so they formulate a plan, be like, we think he's here. Let's kind of split up and go look for him. And ultimately what they find is the signal is coming from, um, the specific, like inside the house, <laughs> he's calling from inside the house, the, the tent, I, or I think it's a tent, but it's specifically coming from this, uh, like pawn shop, if you will. Right. Um, so Dusk decides to go in since Armand doesn't know who Dusk is. Um, she's like, I'll go see, you know, what's going on in here. And they describe what the ring, the tracking ring looks like. Um, so she goes in there. Armand is not in there, but she finds out that the ring is. So presumably Armand has pawned this ring and he is in fact not here. Um, <clears throat> uh, to find out this stuff, Dusk actually casts suggestion on the owner of the shop. And, you know, he does reveal that in fact, yes, Treshy was here this was his ring he did pawn it uh you can find him running with the paragon's call at the seat of disdain um so having found all of that out you know she leaves the party kind of reconvenes with this information and they're like all right what's our next move and that's basically where it gets, goes to break yeah so picking up from the break um you know if you've watched critical Role long term and you like watching endless minutes of <laughs> bad planning oh my gosh <laughs> falls apart uh, this is prime this is just a prime example um so the party basically heads over to the seat of disdain which is this fortress of the paragon's call and think like you know a tall wall with like black smoky plumes that are coming up from uh this fortress um, you know, I think this area also, this in general, Basras feels like kind of a junky city. Um, and this particular fortress has kind of like an industrial vibe to it. I think of like, um, you know, old, uh, London, like back in the day, um, it's kind of what I envisioned, but, um, the party basically, as they're making their way there, they do spot an automaton in the streets. And I think, uh, uh, FCG actually says, you know, smiley day and it doesn't respond, which, you know, just go on to reaffirm how special he is yeah um but ultimately they head over to the seat of disdain and the party is basically trying to figure out okay hey what do we which which by the way this is it's the home base of the paragon's call which is one of many of the crawler gangs in uh Basaros. and the party is basically like hey what do we want to do like <laughs> do we want to storm the gates do we want to you know what's the plan and ultimately what ends up happening is uh, there, you know there's guards posted on the wall uh, Fern decides she's going to turn into a quokka, <laughs> which I had to Google this. It's kind of like a wallaby, apparently. Cute little furry animal and is going to sneak under the gate into the building. And uh, naturally, she has all sorts of bad roles in this whole process um, where I think even Sam Rico's like, you know, come on, just roll double digits one time. <laughs> uh, at one point, she gets stuck under the gate finally gets through and makes her way into the courtyard of the seat of the stain where she is immediately picked up by one of the uh, paragons call uh, a woman who's described as having a white toothy grin picks her up and is basically like you are so cute i'm going to keep you as a pet um, takes her into uh, takes fern into the fortress through a series of tunnels um, she does actually eventually spot uh, general ratanish in a room talking with other figures and is basically put in this person's room as a pet uh, and then left there where she then, you know, kind of claws on the door and whimpers to try to get out. Uh, and then another person of the Paragon's Call kind of opens the door suspiciously, sees her and, is, and has the same reaction of like, oh my gosh, you're so cute. <laughs> this person decides um, he's going to keep her as a pet, uh, but she bites him and is just like, I can't be here forever. Like, what am I doing here? Until finally the person is like, um, you know, uh, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, we're not supposed to have pets here. Or one of his roommates is like, you shouldn't have pets. And he's like, oh, no, it's a rodent I found. It's not a pet. So, you know, doing his duty, decides to discard this rodent, um, takes it out, throws it out. 
and uh, Fern basically makes her way back to the group and is like, okay, I've seen the inside. I, I can kind of have like a mental map of the area. And uh, I also saw General Watanish. So then they're like, okay, what do we want to do? We think Armand's in here. What's, what's our plan? And so they say, Ashton, General Watanish offered you a job. Maybe that's our end. Maybe you go in and say, yeah, I'm here to make, do, make good on the offer. And the Ashton's like, yeah, but then I have to now work for the Paragon's call. <laughs> Um, they have all sorts of ideas, you know, they do, um, uh, um, uh, Travis's character, um, Chetney is like, Hey, the, uh, Gorgani, Gorgani, um, I can't remember how they pronounce it. Um, you know, I could go grab them and they can come help us. And then he mentions this a few times before Matt's finally like, Hey, they're, they're pretty far ways away. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you can't just like leave town and go get him. It'd be like at least a few days travel, um, to which Travis jokes, you know, I guess I'm leaving now guys. See you later. Um, but they keep having these different suggestions, ideas, you know, storming the castle. Maybe they could, um, uh, FCG actually gets really hung up on one of the automatons, which was like this bot, this, uh, this almost like, I kind of envision like a spider like robot. Yeah. He's really stuck on stealing this, <laughs> using it in some way to, uh, attack the Paragon's call fortress. And uh, they talk about like setting off a bomb to create distractions. And really with every terrible idea, Chetney is the one to keep being like, just saying it again, guys. We're talking about a fortress in the city for one of the major entities. <laughs> and the eight of us, there's eight of us talking about invading this high security place. Uh, and then Orm points out too, like, yeah, it's not like Armand Treshi's going to rush out and be like, what's going on? If nothing else, they're going to stow him away to safety. So this is a terrible idea. And so Travis is also like, why are we also trying to do this like right now? Like, <laughs> we don't have to do this right this second. Let's let's think about this. Let's let this sit for a little bit. What they do eventually set 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 on is let's go back to the pawn shop. Well, they they decide let's send a note to Armand. Uh, basically impersonating the pawn shop saying, hey, we have your ring. Someone else wants to buy it. If you want it, we can sell it back to you at a premium. And someone's like, that's stupid. Why would he buy his own ring back that he sold? And they said, and what they ended up deciding to do is sending a message that says, hey, I have a way for you to get your family heirloom back. Come meet me at the pawn shop and we can talk. Um, but to do this, they need to do a forgery of the handwriting of the pawn shop owner and also get his name. So Imogen makes her way back over to the pawn shop to um, basically be a, a, you know, a customer who's like, hey, what do you got here? And makes introductions, finds out that the owner's name is, um, oh man, I can't remember. Um, Hero is his last name. Um, I don't remember either. I don't have it in front of me. Yeah. Um, I, I don't not know, a big deal but uh, add on add on hero and oh it's, nice it's a detail because ashton points out like oh the heroes are like a major family in this town they own the bazaar they they i mean they're they're power players so they're like okay wow this is gonna be really meaningful getting a note from adon hero then and so they also decide to go back to their hotel room and have like a forgery party yeah <laughs> maybe crap the best forgery uh, which Orem finally does with the 23. There are a couple other side conversations that happen. Uh, Dusk actually asks um, Imogen, hey, are you in Ladna, I think? Because I'm like getting some vibes. And uh, she doesn't flatly say no. She kind of in like a kind of a more, um, maybe hesitant is too strong of a word, but she she thinks for a second and says, no, we're not. Um, and then Ashton jokingly um, turns <laughs> to <laughs> Talison turns to uh, Laden and is like, "Hey, so I've been noticing you and Imogen. you know it's just as a joke." But um, also, Orum and uh, it's, not, it's not Orum. Uh, Ashton does follow up with Laden being like, "Hey, what's going on with you guys?" And Laden just breaks into tears, these black inky tears, and is just sobbing over breaking the rock and says she ha she got this pot holder. For her which ashton's like maybe she gets something related to the actual offense and she jokes um she says i'm gonna lay myself prostrate on a spiky rock and let her step on me <laughs> i just thought was such a funny comment <laughs> uh, but they're like we'll just keep we'll keep working it we'll keep figuring it out um so the group at least is aware of the fact that there is some tension between the two of them um all that to say they finish their notes and they call it a night and that is what happens in episode 25 of Campaign 3 of Critical Role, A Taste of Tal'Dorei.
Bada boom, bada bing. Well done. Nope. I will not uh, penalize you for using that expression. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> ah. right, so, oh, and if you're just watching the recap, click the link below for our full discussion breakdown. Hey, put your thoughts in there. Put your theories in the comments below. If we find one we really like, we'll definitely steal it as our own. So. <laughs> I don't, that that, I don't know that. I don't know. I don't know what that dance was. <laughs> weird, like, erection of the just, <laughs> just felt a moment and just you know had to explore it. You gotta follow the gut sometimes. I get yeah. Will. Yeah. Same question. Immediate, immediate reactions. What'd you think? I liked it. Of course, I was going to. Again, you know, we say this every week. It's you're going to be hard pressed to find an episode that I'm going to say, man, I just I hated this one. Let, um, us, let us just get it out there. We love, we are, we have an entire <laughs> YouTube Spoiler channel. alert. Yeah, we love Critical Role. Um, um yeah. but, so yeah, I loved I it. That, I hate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry. especially the Taste of Taldore, this whole first half was so much fun. Like, you know, just seeing that, like, they've reached a point where there's kind of, like, self-referential meta kind of, right. like, tongue-in-cheek joking in and on, in on itself sorry english is hard um it was just so fun like you could really tell like the joy the whole table was having like matt and just you know playing these fun characters um that was just really fun and it was kind of a nice palate cleanser after you know just the despair <laughs> of exandria um <clears throat> <Gut punch. laughs> exactly and then the second half, you know, at dawn we plan, which if you've seen campaign one, there's an episode called that. And it's because this table often has analysis paralysis where they just like sit for two hours trying to figure out what to do. And I mean, as somebody who's played D&D, I get it. Um, but that's pretty much what the entire second half of the episode was, just them trying to figure out what to do. So not the most exciting episode you know as far as the second half goes um it's but comfy it's comfy yeah and cozy, you know you, you throw it on you watch it and anyone who's played D, like you said you can relate you can relate really well with the analysis paralysis um because we've all been at that table i mean it's every table really <laughs> yeah it's like you know there's a locked door in front of you and like you know you as the dm you just envision them lock picking it and moving on like wait what if it's <laughs> yeah what if they wanted us to come here you know, and then it's like this whole random, you know, escapades that avoiding opening the door. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, you know, I definitely not, I wouldn't put it in the, the top echelon of campaign three thus far, but still a fun episode. Like I said, kind of a nice palate cleanser after Exandria yeah. and just, it was fun. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. about you? No, yeah, I, I used the word cozy before. It, it's a cozy episode. It's nice to uh, see the band back together. It's also on the same token, like, and I don't want to get like too off base. Like we're talking about episode 25 today. Um, but if I can, you know, just say this, how good calamity was that two weeks later, I'm still just thinking like, dude, I just want more calamity. I just want more. I just want more of that. Mm -hmm. um, and not to say that this episode wasn't enjoyable. It was awesome. It's always going to be awesome. But it, calamity was so well done that I'm just constantly thinking of it. I've already shown it to a couple of friends of mine or told a couple of friends of mine about it. They've watched it. They loved it. Um, you know, and so, and it's, uh, you know, it's fun also. I think it's fun because the cast had some references to it as well in this episode. Yeah. I think, I think the cast was like distracted or something. And Matt was like, I should have just said fire. Yeah, that was hilarious. Brennan Lee Mulligan. That's a, you know, <laughs> very ominous comment he's made. And then there was another comment that Aura made in the second half um like a reference like a quote from calamity uh but i it's escaping me right now um hmm. but it, it's just fun also to know that the cast clearly watched it and enjoyed it and yeah um anyway it's definitely a palate cleanser coming back to this for sure it, it feels very happy-go-lucky mm -hmm. um, which you know i know it's not but i think calamity was just so sad that <laughs> yeah and anyway. for any, I'm sure if you're watching this, you surely watched Calamity. But if you are watching this and you keep up with Campaign 3, but for whatever reason you didn't check out Calamity, pause this video and go watch that instead because it was so good. Um, yeah, so, so quick plug that is probably useful to no one, but just in case. Yeah. <laughs>
but yeah, love the episode. It was great. Um, it feels like we're winding up to some cool stuff. Like how quickly they went to the seat of disdain. I was like, oh yeah, okay, we're getting into it. Yeah. Um, and it seems like I mean today's Thursday. It seems like tonight's episode could be could be a good one. Yeah. Yeah, and um, quick quick couple of asides before we dive into the meat and potatoes of this episode. Um, the GM roundtable. I don't know if if you've even had a chance to watch it yet, but just for everyone, check that out. It was incredible. It was Abria, Matt, and Brennan all sitting around just talking about D and D, and it was it was fantastic. So highly recommend that. Um, we got the we got the calamity wrap up happening next Tuesday, um, which I imagine we haven't talked about this, but I imagine you and I might do like our own calamity wrap up after watching that, just to yeah. give our final thoughts. Sure. So be looking forward to that, and then. Um, <clears throat> One last thing, and of course you jump in if you have anything like this you want to say as well. Um, but I wanted to talk about the new intro before we dive into talking about the episode. Oh, yeah. Right. I <sighs> I didn't love it. I didn't love it. It's it's fun, and you could like rotoscoping is takes so much like effort. You know, as I have a I have an animator friend, so like I have a, I can understand like the level of skill and work that into it. So it's not that like I, I hate it or anything, but I just, I preferred the first one if I'm being honest. And also my expectations, it's my own fault. Cause when they said we have a new animated intro, I think I tweeted this out like in all caps. I was like, no intro, let's go. Because if you've seen campaign two, they have an animated intro that is like, like an animated show basically of their characters. So when they said that, that's where my expectations went immediately. I was like, yes. And so then I was just slightly disappointed that it was just them, you know, um, it was cool. It was, you know, it's fun. And, you know, there was a bit of controversy over the first intro. So I'm not sure if that's why they changed it or if they just, you know, wanted to change a pace. Um, again, I don't hate it or anything. I'm not trying to be negative, uh, you know, or, a downtrodden Daryl, but um, yeah. I don't know. I just, it's not my favorite. And I've actually seen a lot of people kind of echoing that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's fair to say that it's, you know, preference, um, you know, in the sense of there's nothing inherently wrong with it. Um, you know, but I, I do think, I mean, just being totally honest, it, my impression is that it was changed because of the drama around which if you're if you're not in the loop on it there were some comments around um the previous one the attire of the cast people being like the tomb searchers um reinforcing like colonialism or imperialism um which you know <laughs> take it take that for what you will okay i'm not really going to comment beyond that but so i could see them i could see that being a reason they'd want to change it um but I, I think the thing that I really loved about the first intro um, is the table reactions. Like yeah, yeah. The, the freeze frame with like the drink and the dice and people screaming like, what? Like those are really amazing moments in D&D where, you know, I mean, you know, talking about Calamity, you know, it's like Travis has to roll on the final hit to take out the bad guy and, you know, a role happens i don't want to spoil it but a role happens and everyone was like oh and so like that freeze frame was such a, an awesome not just for critical role but an awesome like iconic moment at a DD table they they have a little bit of that like you said like the rotoscoping in the new one yeah definitely like the feel like the heart and soul of critical of, of DD isn't really present in it um yeah I'm, I'm indifferent to it i don't like it as much as i've liked other ones um but you know I definitely understand um, you being disappointed by it too. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm hoping, and you know, throughout each campaign, they've had different intros, like as time goes on. Um, so I'm hoping that still we might one day down the road, get an animated intro akin to the one in campaign two, just cause I would love to see like the characters fleshed out. It was just a cool way to like, you know, it's like the, the, the intro to like an anime, you know, you kind of get right. to see all the characters and you kind of can like sit in the characters a little bit better because you're seeing like, right. you know, just picking one of them at random, like Travis, you know, you get to see like, okay, this is what I envisioned Chetney to be. I don't know. It's just kind of a, it's just kind of a cool thing. And so again, I, I'm trying not to, I don't want to like 
be too negative or anything, but just it just wasn't my favorite and i think a lot of it had to do with just my initial insane hype because i thought we were getting something like campaign two but you know it's fun you know it's got a lot of joy in it which is um you know kind of a good broad stroke of what this is all about so yeah, yeah. so anyway that's i just wanted to you know briefly touch on that before we got into things proper um well, let's dive into the episode um maybe starting just chronological with the story um taste of Taldora. you know i was texting you on um because you're definitely more of like a um exandria savant compared to me <laughs> and so i was like who's so who's this guy like is he from campaign one is he you know and i think what you had said was like maybe a couple of them had been referenced but otherwise no, or like maybe just implied to be older characters um Dressig, king Dressig is that a character from the lore yes um okay so what are the references to king dressing or what's like the wh what's he from so like and i might butcher this somewhat so y'all be kind to me but <laughs> in the in the distant past so we now we're now in a land called Taldore, right that that one continent at least and it's called that because the ruling family's name is Taldore. Um, so what happened in the taste of Taldore, like little theater segment they put on is before Taldore, um, there was a, a king called King Drasig or Drasig, and he was kind of like not a good guy, really, kind of a tyrant. And um, so, I was uh, early history Exandria, but I mean, we're not talking calamity or anything, so maybe I shouldn't use the word early. But was the king, was the ruler, was struck down by Zan Taldore, and then you know the modern history of Taldore has has sprung from there. So basically just an old kind of tyrant king from the past. Okay. okay. Yeah, cool. Well, it immediately made me hungry. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> so definitely I appreciated your medieval times reference, but, <laughs> but yeah. So. so yeah, that, that whole segment was just really fun. And, uh, I'm assuming the, their waiter, uh, I'm not looking at the, let me just scroll up really quick to my notes. Uh, Erevan, the rhyme Lord, uh, I think a primordial if that i mean i'm not entirely sure but that's the impression i got was that he was one of the primordials yeah i need to google that maybe a dragon i don't know but i think you know let me just google it right now but anyway i was gonna say you guys would have to uh, maybe maybe uh let us know oh an elemental behemoth so not a primordial, but I guess just a big old, big old bad boy. Yeah. Attacked Taldori during the Ice Lost years. <laughs> Interesting. It's from the Plane of Ice. Oh, well, maybe he basically is a primordial, kind of. Y'all just give me that one. <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the most important conversation that happened at their, you know, table was this oddly coincidental discussion about dusk basically being brought here via um because i think she was i think and even the details are really fuzzy and even dusk herself um was struggling to even give the details because the feywild you know being so murky as it is mm -hmm. but brought here wasn't clear if if she was rescued here or exactly what the parameters were but essentially by Fern's parents and that they're here. They are here in Marquette. They're, um, she's trying to get back to them. Again, not really clear why, like why she wants to go back to the Feywild, but is apparently a very close connection. Um, and then obviously with Fern as well. Um, I'd love to get your take on this whole conversation, especially 90 years, 90 years since Fern has seen them. Yeah. And like, oh yeah, they're in a town down the street. Um, you know, send them a message. It was very odd. The whole thing was very odd to me. But um, yeah, give me your take on that whole. What do you think is going on there? Yeah. Um, okay. So, ninety years, pretty long time. But as we know, Fern Fern is over two hundred. I think um, something in that ballpark. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, she's old either way. That's a very odd, that's a very odd number for me to give. <laughs> she is exactly 112. Yeah, I'm actually curious. Okay. 
So anyway, she's old. 112. Nice, dude. Very nice. Okay, so that... Random detail. So that's actually... Um, I mean, she's still obviously old, especially compared to a lot of the party, but um, that actually puts it into context. You know, she basically hasn't seen her parents for 90% of her life. Um, but yeah, but her... Uh, their race lives longer so uh 90 years isn't exactly equivalent to like you know if if you or i said we hadn't seen our parents in 90 years still obviously a long time though um which i'm also wondering if perhaps any of the timey wimey weirdness of the feywild has enhanced that time frame like maybe it's not quite that long but it is from her perception type of thing um yeah and we're not we're also not clear when she was brought to Exandria with her grandmother, Morgan, was that her first time stepping into Exandria, or had she been there previously? The Fern or Morgan? Fern. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I would. The presumption is that it was the first time, yeah, okay. for my money, but so I don't know. Presumably, ninety years in the Feywild, which again. I don't know if this is like a. Um, I'd love someone to give us some clear rules on the Feywild. <laughs> I don't know if this is like a uh, interstellar thing where, like, you know, seven minutes here is you know thirty years or what's going on. But in Fern's mind, at least, it's been ninety. We'll put an asterisk there. Years of Feywild time. Yeah. Or eighty-nine years. Yeah, and what's interesting is that Dusk was with her parents in the Feywild. So at least for some stretch of that 90 years, her parents were there, not in Exandria. I mean, they may have never been in Exandria for the 90 years until right now. And this is the freaking time is a weird soup thing because, yeah, because Fern was in the Feywild under mm -hmm. a year ago. Right. Dusk has been there with their parents. And I think when they asked her, like, when this was or how long ago, like, Dusk even, like, couldn't, like, point, like, on a timeline. It was like, well, maybe it was before you were there. Or maybe it was right. after or um it's like how confused do you want to make us yeah so definitely i'm kind of going to jump all around your question here so guide me jump in at any time but so there's all that and then just in general what we knew coming into this from exu and from earlier c3 about fern and her parents is that they left when she was young and she doesn't know why they were on some mission and her grandmother took care of her and she got letters from her parents. But in EXU, I think, I don't know if it was Dark Fern or somebody else, but told Fern that, hey, those letters weren't from your parents. Your grandmother wrote those letters. So, which if that's true, that means that there's some weird kind of shadiness going on. Like Fern was lied to about where her parents went and why. Yeah. And we also know that Fern's parents never spoke of Fern to Dusk. Not that they necessarily would but if they really are if they really are if dusk and her parents really are close like why wouldn't they ever bring up that they had a daughter um but we do know that and, and it's not a situation of like oh maybe they forgot fern because we know that since imogen contacted them they clearly remember fern Again, rambling here but so what what were her parents doing where have they been are they on the run from morrigan yeah and we know there's like a whole royalty piece to this whole thing. Yeah. Too, where the Nightmare King knows the Calloway mm -hmm. family. And Fern even says, you know, yeah, we're kind of royalty. We're kind of a big deal. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, yeah. So like one theory slash question I'm wondering is like, are, were her parents forced to flee either from Morgan or just from the politics of the Sealy court in general and that's why they've been gone and that's why her grandmother lied to fern about it to like keep her protected in a way or like what the heck are they doing they they i think i don't know if dusk mentioned it or something but didn't she say they were on a mission as well or something like that maybe not something um like yeah but so <clears throat> all of that mucky mystery but then we have dusk who i don't think i mean she can't remember her own past so anything could really be true right but it seems like she's not originally from the Feywild, but she just found herself there and was like enamored with the beauty of it. That's why she like changed her name to Dusk for what I, because right, didn't she say her name was Dusk because like she was in a glade and it was like Dusk and it was the most beautiful thing she'd ever seen. Yeah. 
Um, so how how did Dusk get to the Feywild originally? But she did, and her memories were already messed up. So that's when she runs into Fern's parents. They take Dusk under their wing. Yada, 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 yada. Somehow there's a portal situation. Dusk mentions, like, weird lights and being, like, pulled away. And boom, she's now here in Exandria. She's not with the parents, but she knows the parents are also here in Exandria. It's just, I know I'm not, like, helping this discourse at all, but there's just so many questions, so much craziness. And, yeah, just the coincidence that, I mean, coincidence. It's it's a D&D game. I'm sure Erica was like, I want to, like, have some cool connection to the backstory. Um, but the coincidence that the stranger happens to, you know, have a strong connection to Fern's parents. It's weird, man. The whole thing's weird to me. And, and part of me, I say this in the sense of, like, I don't want to come across harsh in the sense of like expecting a finely tuned crafted story because <laughs> it's long term, it's long form D and D. You know, I, I think it's not as I'm sorry, I'm gonna keep just referencing forever. It's not as insulated as Calamity, where there is we kind of know where we're heading, and so speaking to the coincidence I say that because like the coincidences, it may be just that. It may just be a funny coincidence and the clunkiness of what happened and why she's there it could be that the players that that erica and matt also collaboratively just haven't quite figured it out yet or maybe some of that maybe some of that was just off the cuff like why is your name dusk oh well i was woke up in a glaive well how'd you get there oh uh well the Feywild. <laughs> you know i mean like i i'm not going to begrudge them if some of these details aren't cleaned up because I watched Lost and I love Lost. And, Oof. you know, if they cannot answer questions, then, you know, it's okay. So, like, so like, part of me wonders, like, how much of this is just, like, you know, ad hoc. Like, we just came up with it. But then the other part of me, man, I'm just like, okay, so what's going on here? Like, where did Dusk come from? Why the Callaways? Why are, why are the parents now here within reach? You know, a simple message within reach um after 90 freaking years man like it's very coincidental it makes me a bit suspicious uh as to what's really going on and if you know we can't we can't clean up fern's story you know we're reunited it's over so i don't know man i think i think there's another shoe i'm waiting to drop and it seemed like the Callaway's birdie, her mom, was very suspicious also of the message. Mm -hmm. um, so which could be like a little, you know, double agent thing where she's actually playing them. Or it could be, like you said, on the run and very protective. Uh, I have no idea. So there's my long rant about <laughs> what's going on. Here. Well, as a bit of a rebuttal to your first part um, about like, I don't think I don't think you use this word, but just to kind of ball it back up like the sloppiness if you will of like oh my name is this and you know maybe they haven't figured it out yet i'm i don't think that's the case i think matt 100 percent has this all in a line and knows exactly what he's doing erica on the other hand i think you know especially coming into a thing like critical role you want to have an interesting backstory as a guest and like if you could connect yourself directly to one of the other players like that would be so cool. So in my mind, I don't know if Matt like initially suggested the idea or if she was like, hey, can I like be connected to somebody? Regardless of how that worked out, I think the Feywild timey-wimey confusingness is almost the perfect setting for enabling something like that because he probably doesn't want to just tell Erica, here's Fern's backstory. Like here's all the juicy stuff that Ashley doesn't even know, but he's like, Hey, okay, you know what? I'm going to connect you to this and here's how, and kind of like the in character way for you, for the out of character way for you, Erica, not to like metagame and know too much. Boom. You're going to have these memory issues. So for my money, I think that that's just the creative way that they are making this connection, but on the, on an above the table level, it's obviously some, level of coincidence that the random stranger they encountered has a connection to her parents i'll give you that but here's what i'll say like the specific dialogue around like yeah we escaped through a portal and then fgg's like will you escape like what, what were you escaping from like were you in danger and she's like i don't know <laughs> it's very nostalgic of exu season one of like you know i know the decision that dorian made like, true what is that 
what does that mean? What happened? Uh, I'll just play test. Actually, so. <laughs> but uh, so I'm, I'm just a little, I'm nervous, man. I just, that's I just, totally <laughs> fair. But I'll just say that I think that's true for Erica, but Matt knows. Like, there's no, like, I would highly, highly doubt Matt is just doing this on the fly and trying to connect the dots. I bet he has, you know, his three-page document just... <laughs> Pepe Silva, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> time will tell, but I, I have faith in Matt, and I think that the confusion on the other area is just a way to kind of make this happen. And um, I, I don't disagree. I'm just saying... I'm just, all, all I'm saying is if, if we do not get an explanation... <laughs> I'm okay with it. Okay. It's okay. Yeah. That's all I was trying to say. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> and I'm never watching it. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> we got to tag in Jeremy. The show's about to get way worse. <laughs> oh. Right, so, yeah, I guess. And then I guess we'll. we'll I think they said they were a few days out, right? So, I, I mean, not too far off. I mean, probably in the next five episodes. Um, oh, of -term. meeting the parents? Then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, meet the parents. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, we may not be too far away. I mean, I say that. I'm assuming a couple of days will have gone by in five episodes. Then again, in my D&D campaign, it's been like eight episodes, and it was like eight episodes ago. That was this morning. It's the same <laughs> day still. Yeah. <laughs> like, please let us sleep, Dion. <laughs> we want to go to bed. Sorry. That's D&D, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so very interested. I mean, we don't really have any concrete answers or concrete theories on what's going on 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 with her parents but for my money clearly especially if what dark fern said in exu is true which it might not be because she was like this dark manifestation of fern so her being manipulative or lying is definitely on the table but if her grandmother really did forge the letters from her parents then clearly something's going on there that fern is not akin to her parents didn't really go on a mission like she was told were they running? Were they excommunicated? What's going on? So I'm I'm interested to hear that out. And like you mentioned, you know, Birdie's hesitance to be like, you know, prove that you're who you say you are before she said anything kind of lends some credit to the fact that they may be on the run, you know, or at least are being very, very careful for some reason. Um yeah. But yeah, can't wait to find out more there. Well, if you're okay, maybe we can move on to Armand Treshi, unless you have another detail. Um, no, yeah, let's um, let's do it. Let's do it. So we know Armand goes to the pawn shop, um, the river river of renewal, river if renewal, mm -hmm. um, and pawns the ring. And the shopkeep basically is like, yeah, I mean, he needed some money, or maybe the party even like surmises that. Uh, yeah, I think that's what it was. He left left everything behind, so he needed to get some cash. Right. Um. And which then leads them to then offering the ring back in the final moments of the episode. Um, here's my theory. Here's what I think. Hit me. I don't think Armand pawned the ring because he needed cash. You think he knew? Here's, here's here. Yes, I think he knows the ring is is a duplicate. That it's a fake. The reason I think that is Armand is smart enough to have orchestrated a handful of events that all transpired in Dressar. Mm -hmm. It's obviously very clever. Um, we know that if I'm him, my accomplice getting, you know, sphered up <laughs> and me getting ousted happened directly after a banquet in which there were some very odd people present <laughs> and very odd hijinks involving my ring right um and then also he's going to the home base of the paragon's call which he's very clearly incredibly connected to and created many opportunities for in the city of Jersar. uh i'm i'm assuming if i'm him i'm assuming that the paragon's call has my back that i've done a lot for them that i can call on a favor and so I don't think I'm necessarily worried about having the money to figure out what I'm going to eat tonight. Right. I think, I think he knows the ring is a duplicate. I think sending the forgery isn't actually drawing him out. I think what it's actually doing is letting him know my pursuers are here in town and, you know, my spies seeing, Hey, that's the same group that was at the banquet. <laughs> yeah. I think they're about to get reverse trapped is what I think is about to happen. They think they're trapping him, drawing him out. I think he's about to trap them. The the 
uh, the reverse, reverse Uno card. Yeah, um, I I <laughs> I think I agree with you because I mean, I mean, I'm not gonna repeat everything you just said, but yeah, the, like all those points. Uh, and I mean, he just seems like. I don't know. He just seems like a smart enough guy or like that, you know, I don't know. I feel like he would figure it out. And maybe even the Paragon's call has some sort of like, for lack of a better word here, metal detector, magic detector thing. And they would be like, yo, your ring's pinging right now. Like before you come, like, you know, we know you're on the run. Let's make sure that everything's on the up and up. Um, but yeah, not even, even if not them, presumably one of his aides would be like, yeah. Or even him, he himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a magical ring there. Someone's, yeah. Hey, buddy, you know your rings, you know, sending out a pretty strong walk. <laughs> I mean, I do think that, you know, Matt, Matt even is the one that pointed out that, like, no, he had to stop and drop everything and go. So there is a case to be made for, like, he maybe did need money, but I'm with you that, like, surely his connections with the Paragon call, they would have, you know, helped him out at least for. A short term um but also we knew that ring was like one of his most prized possessions which is why the whole banquet thing came up so surely couldn't he have had something else to pawn before he would pawn like his most prized family heirloom um so i'm with you i'm on team he knew but that being said if it turns out that no he pawned it for money i'm okay with that we never said (laughs) that's right that's right we were always he definitely needed the money So I'm okay, like, you know, I'm not going to be upset if I'm like, oh, that's so unbelievable, but I, I, I'm with you. Both both are definitely within the realms of possibility. Um, I'm just, I'm just, you know, and then also the, the even the forgery itself, the, uh, what was it, um, suggestion, like, there was a, there was a comment there where she's talking to, to um, Aldon Hero, mm-hmm. uh, Aidan Hill, Hero. And we're like the co-shop owners kind of looking at him being like, why are you being so right, right. mouthed about this? Armand is very clearly has a relationship with the shop where being dis- uh, discretion is so valuable. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm Armand and I get a note <laughs> paper from the, hey, that ring, it's me, the owner. I'm also like, you know, alarms are going off. Like, yeah. I mean, I think the party's dead for sure. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I, I think this is definitely not as, I mean, it's, and we, we harped on like their long form planning, but it's definitely not as clever a plan as maybe they think it is. Um, but hey, I mean, if it gets them in front of Armand, maybe it doesn't matter if it's not, it, maybe it doesn't matter if it's clunky. You know? Yeah. I mean, we'll see how, how far this plan progresses, but usually they spend a lot of time figuring something out and then like, one foot in the door everything's out the window and you know they'll just be improv um but yeah and i mean to that point as well it seems like after dusk left and you know uh suggestion has been cast on the owner at some point he's gonna like wait a second you know and so is he not even gonna maybe if, if armand is this powerful player in the city maybe reach out to him and be like hey just so you know there were some people coming around being real weird asking about your ring um so i think there's a lot of things pointing to the fact that armand is probably going to be or at least could be privy to this plan right i'm curious if they know that they were if suggestion um if they they can like feel it yeah i'm not sure i mean at the very least though the other person in the shop is there to be like what the hell are you doing you know um, yeah, I don't know. I can't seem to find an answer, but anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting for sure. It so, is. We'll see what happens. I love the whole like Quoka. <laughs> yeah, that, that was fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, but except I them. I was kind of wondering if she was gonna get poofed again, like when she was the rat. Yeah. You know? Pretty ballsy, honestly, because I mean, easily could have happened, and there was not really a great way for anyone to get to her. If if something did go wrong, that's classic fern, right? Yeah, that's chaos. <laughs> chaos is the perfect fern descriptor. Um, well, another thing that happened in this episode, um, very subtle. Uh, there was sort of this the side running 
conversation between Ladna and Ashton, um, Imogen and Orum, and then Imogen and uh, Dusk around Imogen and Ladna's relationship. Yeah, Ladna and FCG as well. That's right. Exactly right. Yeah. So they're all kind of telling their friends what's happening. Um, <laughs> I mean, Imogen even calls it a falling out. Um, Ladna is obviously extremely um, sad about this whole thing. You and I had talked in a previous episode about was there a relationship there? You know, we we said maybe there is, maybe there's not. Um, just as much evidence there, I think, as um, you know, sisters like best friends. Mm -hmm. We got a direct question tonight. Yeah, it wasn't as flatly denied as as maybe would have cleared it up for me. So I want to ask you: Do you ship the two of them together, or like, what's your take after this episode? Oh, a hundred percent after this episode. I mean, that the moment that solidified it for me was when she was talking to Orum, and you could tell how jealous she was getting about Dusk, and she's like, "Oh, yeah, I don't remember the words, but you know, now they're all over each other, like." I mean, it's possible. It's possible that that's like a friend, like, oh, that's my best friend. And now she's found a new best friend. But to me, I feel like that was like, I kind of have feelings for this person. And that's why I'm like upset and jealous. All right. So you're on the full shipping boat. I mean, I feel like you got to be at this point, like, Whoa, especially, especially everyone's reactions. You know, Marissa had to like hide behind her book. That's, that's like a, you know, not just a friend thing for me are you go, still on the fence i'm gonna go the route of oh you sweet summer child and be like i think, I think <laughs> i'll be the grandma who's like yeah my daughter always brings her best friend to thanksgiving so <laughs> they've been friends for years yeah. <laughs> yeah so um i just realized my light was off um I, I'm, I'm still on the on the friend train okay here's, here's why here's why i say this okay. you're wrong but okay okay <laughs> reason i say this is only because critical role fandom we love to ship couples true everybody true know? and so i'll give a couple of examples um Orum and dorian was a big a big conversation yeah yeah um until Orum finally was like like literally we're just we're just friends um <laughs> is the door still open for them maybe <laughs> But I'm just saying, people were already sending that one. Dorian, and then, uh, real quick, Robbie on one of the four-sided dive episodes admitted that he had a crush on somebody, but he wouldn't say who it was. Oh. Like Dorian had a crush on somebody. Don't, don't give any more credence to... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it was Orem. I'm just no, throwing I'm that out there. My, my point out here. Uh, Continue. <laughs> I give an example. You're like, oh, they've actually come out. <laughs> oh, okay, great. So that's an example. The other one yeah, yeah. is... Um, uh, gonna throw it back to Calamity, Xerxes, and Asmodeus, <laughs> which was heavily, heavily shipped to the point yeah. when Xerxes, Luis was like, uh, like well, this is so odd to me. Like, why are people so like, you know, presuming that there's a relationship there? And so I'm just pointing out two cast people who they themselves were kind of like, uh, well, no, I, I mean, nothing going on there. So therefore. <laughs> three strikes you're out all right listen this is the same case the internet is 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 horny man the internet is they're gonna they're if there's a they're gonna combine every two possible characters i guarantee you you like search on twitter for insert character a insert character b ship you're gonna hit F you're gonna find FCG some results and the um elephant person from bro Near it's probably out there you know yeah. <laughs> i just like rule 34 <laughs> yeah so <laughs> I get what you're saying, and that's fair. But in this case, there's like concrete things to point to in, in canon, in episode. So, I mean, I get what you're saying. I understand the hesitance, but I think I think this one is at least bubbling. Right. Now, let us let let us know in the comments, friends or more than friends. <laughs> no, but Let's let me where you stand. let me clarify, not that anyone needs this, but just in case. I'm not saying that they like have a relationship. Like and like, you know, all the time they spent together. I'm not saying that they were like a couple and actively romancing each right. other. Yeah, 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 sure. But I think that obviously, I think in fact I don't think they were cuz clearly how they're acting. But I think those feelings are bubbling and those feelings are there. Um it hasn't culminated to anything yet um 
But I think, I mean, at the very least from Imogen's end, because that was jealousy. Now, it was definitely jealousy. Now, was it romantic jealousy or friendship jealousy? We don't know. But Well, in, in your defense, and I will give you this for the moment that you were proved blatantly wrong. Uh, in your defense, Ladna has, or Marisha, has nailed down Pat, uh, the, um, you know, desperate, dumped lover routine <laughs> of, <laughs> you know, willing to do literally anything to earn back the affection or attention of um you know the who she's been dumped by yeah so so i'll give you that little i'll give you a little breadcrumb and i uh you can nibble on that <laughs> and i like that both of them kind of feel the same way you know like they're both devastated that this split has happened but like they both just want to make it right which makes sense of course from ladna's end but also on imogen she's already kind of reached the point of like, no, what she did was a good thing. Like I was becoming obsessed with that. So like Imogen's not holding any like spite or resentment toward Ladna for doing that, which is, you know, nice that that's not going to be a thing. But on this whole thing, one thing no one is talking about is the repercussions of what the hell happened beyond just the relationship fracture. But like, hey, my evil voice patron in my head consumed this rock and i felt warm and like it, it seems to just have let that slide like oh i broke your rock sorry but no like what about what the hell that meant or what that is doing to you Which um she, she shared i think maybe it was with etsy um maybe it was ash i can reach one but she shared uh Laudna shared the details of that and yeah it didn't really you know let's get the band together this seems like a pretty big detail um, also interesting that no one seems a bit concerned of Imogen's obsession with the rock either. Um, you know, it coming from massive mommy slug to <laughs> now being in Imogen's possessions. Um, you know, if I'm a bystander, I'm thinking like, why did you care about the rock anyway? It's a rock, mm -hmm. right? Like, okay, you're really addicted to this rock. Like you're sleeping with it. It's kind of weird. And it's always in your hand. And then, yeah. And then, Ladna, you, crazy person in your voice, you just consume the rock. I'm, I'm just, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's very odd that, but on the same token, you know, this is kind of like natural to D&D is like whatever's most pressing in the moment is often, you know, what's on players' right, minds. And so, right. you know, I've had players who've had like very important personal things happen to them in a session. And it's not till like 10 episodes later where I'm like, hey, you haven't told anyone about that. <laughs> Yeah. Your dog died. You know, your best friend, you're a ranger. <laughs> your dog is dead. <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. You know, so anyway, I kind of yeah. yeah, we'll get that moment for sure. Fair point. And yeah, I mean, I'm surely we will at some point. Hopefully, maybe even when they reconcile about it, maybe Imogen is like, so what happened? You know, maybe we get some answers there. Um, but I definitely think the other shoes to drop with that, like, Delilah Briarwood consumed a powerful evil artifact like that can't be good um, so one of the things kind of just hanging in the periphery that I'm excited to find out more let's, about let's not count out all options it could be good maybe she's seen the error of her ways and oh. she's doing the world a favor What? that would be crazy that would be kind of cool <laughs> if Delilah was like a force Delilah for good, good now. Yeah. she's a prime deity subscribe <laughs> <laughs> subscribe so, uh, yeah, so what else in this episode? What else? Um, not, not a lot to talk about. Yeah, honestly, the the two, the fern stuff and that, you know, Lodmagen, Imodna? Was there a. Lodmagen just sounds like. Um, it sounds dumb. So <laughs> <laughs> we're not going with that. Imodna. Imodna. Neither one's good. Okay. Neither, we're just going to, you know, it's going to. It's, it's not going to grow on us because it's not. But we don't know if that's the case. Okay. <laughs> You're in denial. I'm probably. Yeah. Um, they're, they're cute. I'm okay with. Them. But yeah, you guys, let us know in the comments what the proper ship name for them is. Oh, but also, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay, I was just gonna. <laughs> There's just a kind of an aside that uh, Erica has this uh stated goal. I don't remember where it was said. If it was. That is beside the point where it was said, but uh, she wants to kiss every member of 
critical role because uh, in one of the one shots they did that had nothing to do with Exandria in any form or fashion uh, I she kissed somebody like her character kissed their character um, I'm butchering this because I should give you the examples but I forgot who it was so people are kind of just think it's funny that she's kind of jumping in and kind of playing this devil's advocate and you know may actually like fully uh, chase Laudna like so that might be like a there might be a little bit of a love triangle that develops here um, yeah and maybe that's why she was asking uh, Imogen to be kind of like yeah. you know hey you know are you guys things you won't mind then if I you know yeah so she's definitely half dead person <laughs> exactly so there's definitely going to be some some drama for a lack of a better word that uh, I'm excited to see how that plays out I'm here for it um, yeah. but yeah other than other than the fern stuff and that stuff that was really the main things I wanted to talk about. You know, the basically the rest of the episode was just planning. So I don't know how much there is to dissect. Yeah, okay. um, well, let, let us know your thoughts, reactions, and theories in the comments below. Don't be a stranger. We'd love to see what you guys are thinking about. And uh, yeah, once we get to a thousand subs, we're also going to be, you know, celebrating that as well. And then tonight we have the next episode. That's right. So, I'm excited for tonight. What do you want to do for our little thumbnail action? Oh. I don't know. Do you have any ideas? I could I could be like Laudna holding up a pot holder or something. <laughs> and, okay. You know, Do you have one? Rip. No, but I have a mug. So, <laughs> <know>. Same thing. <laughs> okay. And you can be like, you know, a stoic. Yeah, just like, like impressed. Yeah, like what is what is happening here? Yeah, and I'll give my best sad face too. <laughs> okay. I feel like our thumbnails like are always so like. What is that? And then once they realize, <laughs> what are they doing? Like, once they realize that they're not like, oh, they're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, here we go. <laughs> it's perfect. Well done. All right. Well, uh, don't forget to check us out on pot on the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere you want to listen to us. If you want to check out um, that there. Subscribe and follow us there. And uh, yeah, new episode up tonight. So enjoy. Yeah. See you guys soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.